0: Jesus House, in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House, London. God bless you. Good evening, everyone. Trust you've had a great day. Uh, restful for some i'm sure busy for some as well great to come together again for today's bible study let's just pray as we start heavenly father we thank you we thank you for everything thank you for your loving kindness your unfailing love thank you for your tender mercies that are new every single day thank you for your amazing grace that upholds us and enables us Thank you for the privilege, O God, of the relationship we have with you through Christ Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of being your tabernacles where you reside, O God. And Lord, thank you for your numerous blessings over each of our lives. Most importantly, we're grateful that we can come together like this to learn of you, O God. So tonight, we ask Lord Jesus, please come and be enthroned in our midst, be enthroned in each of our hearts, O God and then holy spirit of god you are our teacher we look to you and we open our hearts to you asking that you just teach us today oh god reveal jesus reveal the father to each one of us and let your holy presence be with us in jesus name we pray amen and amen so let's start um I, i i thought i'd start with just a basic reminder I think it's always important to focus our minds to remind us on why do we do Bible study? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we read the Bible? And I'm sure you know by now that there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Um, The two are related, but one just gives you deeper insight. Um, and particularly when we understand the reason why we started the Bible. So why do we study the Bible? The first reason, and I'm, I'm going through this for a reason, because you will see how it fits into this journey that God is taking us. So why do we do Bible study? Why do you study the Bible? What, what are you looking for? And please don't be like people who just open the Bible when they're looking for prayer points to ask God for something. The Bible is more than the things we ask God for. The principal reason why we read the Bible, why we study the Bible is to know God. That's the principal reason. It's to know God, to know the mind of God, to know the ways of God. Um, you remember in, in um, Exodus chapter 33, Moses said to, 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 to God, he says, let me know your ways. And then he says, as I know your ways, then I can enjoy you more. And that must be the sequence. We don't come to God because of what we want from God. We come to God first. We should come to God first because we want to know God. And then it's as we know God and walk with God and relate with God that we then start to enjoy the blessings of God. Otherwise, if you go for the blessings, you will Mis, misuse God, if if there's such a phrase, but I'll, I'll explain that later. So the first reason why we do Bible study, why we come together like this, is to know God, to know the mind of God, the ways of God. The second reason why we study the Bible is from the Word of God to get instruction, to know what does God say is the right thing to do, the 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 the, the right way to go. You know, I had a very interesting conversation with a young lady yesterday, last night, and you know, she called me to ask advice, because in her age, in in, in her age bracket, I'm, I'm sure you know for a, long, a lot of young people, there's a lot of pressure, worldly pressure, to go in a particular direction. So she was there at Crossroads, and she was asking me a question, I said, look, it's very simple, what does the Word of God say? How does the Word of God instruct us? To behave in this situation. So we read the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 to 17. Verses 16 to 17 says that the word of God is sorry, the Bible, the scriptures, are from God, breathed by the Spirit of God. And the purpose is to instruct, to correct, to encourage us in what is right and wrong to do. So we read the Bible for instruction. We read the Bible, yes, to find out. God's plans and purposes for our lives, his promises, his blessings, but note, I said, that is number three. It mustn't be the first reason why we read the Bible. And then lastly, but not the least important, actually, it should be second most important, is that we read the Bible so that we can become like God. We can become Christ-like. Romans chapter, let me read you two scriptures very quickly. I just wanted to go through this foundation just to orientate our minds as we get into uh, our study today, as well as we continue the study today. So, Second Corinthians chapter three. Um, if if you have if you have time, please read the whole scripture. It's talking about uh, from the times of Moses when God gave them the word to our time when Jesus, the word came and revealed Himself. But this is the verse, the last verse. It says. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's why I read the Bible. The more we look into the Word of God, the more we look into into the Word of God by the Spirit of God, what the Bible says is that we get progressively changed into the image of God. And it's very important. All these things that we've said, very important for where we're going in our discussion about the heart. So I I just thought to go through that as just a very quick reminder. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, on this journey where God is taking us, I think easily one of the most important um, periods or seasons that we've gone through as a church. Um, If there's anyone on this line was joining, and you don't worship in Jesus' house, the, 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 the Lord has been speaking to us about the heart, and just looking at our hearts, and I'm sure as time has gone by, ladies and gentlemen, you'll agree that the reason is that if our hearts are not right with God, we can't walk with God. Let me say that again. If our hearts are not right with God, we can't walk appropriately with God. Reason is that the way God interacts with the human being is through the heart. You know the scriptures, we talked about some of these things yesterday. It's the heart that God looks at. It is the heart that, um, that, that God relates with. And that's why it's important, this journey of looking at the heart, particularly the essence is to ensure that our hearts are right with God, by God, that our hearts are not diseased in a way that prevents us from having a meaningful relationship with God. Now, again, I thought, as I prepared for this evening, that it'd it's very important, ladies and gentlemen, let's just remind ourselves again, what is this heart? You know, there's a tendency, uh, I don't know if this happens to you, you read the Bible, there are loads of words that are thrown at you, or even through, um, uh uh, um, um sermons and then we get used to words without really finding out what do they mean so another basic thing that i wanted to do very quickly is that let's remind ourselves what is the heart the heart of man yeah so those of you who were in church yesterday you'll remember this um um, again, this is very important for our conversation or our discussion today. So what is the heart? Um, and then the question that people often ask is, so what's the soul? Like I said, the heart and the soul are literally the same thing. They, in fact, if you check through the Bible um, definitions, they'll tell you heart and soul, they mean more or less the same thing. Subtle differences, which I'll explain in a second. But principally, the heart... All. Actually, let me start with the soul. The soul of man, that's the one that makes us human, because we are primarily spirit. So God is a spirit, and then we are spirit beings from God. Okay, let's do a declaration. O oh Lord, we are your people, called by your name. We humble ourselves before you. We pray to you, O God we seek your face and we turn away from our wicked ways. Oh Lord, please hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We declare that our land is healed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for reminding me. I just knew that once I started, I might get carried away. Okay. So um, we we, we are spirit beings from God. So there's the human spirit that is really the essence of life. That's what, that's your life. That's that's what gives you life. It's it's a spirit that comes from the spirit of God. So we're spirit beings, but then to become human, as in to be able to live in the suit, the, the, the earth suit that God created. Something happens, a fusion happens Um, where when God breathes his breath into the body, he says, and we became living souls. What that means is that we are not just spirits. We now then have this thing called the soul. And the soul, in essence, is what enables us to become human beings, to live as human beings. And there are three components to our soul. The mind, the mind is the part of a human being that receives information processes information that's where we think from our thought life then there's the emotions emotions of is where we feel where we respond to the things around us you know when something happens um, makes you angry you um, you you're, you're responding from your your emotions to what is going on around you and then um, you know, lo- lots of things happen in the emo- in emotions. We, again, we'll talk through them. You know, when you see something and you are jealous, that's your emotion. It's all happening in your emotions. And then we've got the will, that is the place where decisions are made from. And the three components of the soul they work interactively. You know, the the mind is feeding the emotions, or the emotions are feeding the mind. The, the emotions are feeding the will. The mind is feeding the will. It's very interactive. So ladies and gentlemen, when you read the Bible and the the Bible talks about the heart or the soul, most times it's referring to the soul component, these three things, because those are the things where that determine our humanity or humanness, if there's such a word, but I prefer this more detailed description of the heart because Many times when the Bible talks, actually, let me let me say this: when you look at the concordance, the soul is mentioned 450 times, but the heart is mentioned 830 times. So that tells you that the Bible uses heart more than soul. Many times it's referring to the same thing, uh, the mind, the will. Sometimes it's actually talking specifically about the mind or the will or the emotions, but the more comprehensive understanding of the heart is that fusion, that combination between our human spirit and the soul. That's why I use this diagram. Now, the question on this journey that we started two weeks ago is how do we ensure that our hearts are healthy? I like to answer questions by looking at what is the problem. Because once I know what the problem is or what the issue is, it makes it easier for me to understand the solution. Again, just referring to the things we talked about yesterday. So um, once you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that your heart is where God interacts with, and then you understand what the scripture says in, Psalm, um, in Jeremiah chapter 17, I mean, I was going to say first of, uh, First of all, the sixteen seven, where God says that I don't look at the externals. I, I don't look at the, the superficial things that we do. You know, we react, we, we, we interact with each other as in human beings interact with each other um, through the superficial things, what you see externally, the face, the actions, the behavior. God says, I, that's not the way I interact with you. I interact with you by looking into your heart because that's your real self. That's where the things that actually determine your actions, that's where they start from. And once we understand that, I, I hope that it makes us instantly want to say, you know what, I'd better make sure that my heart is right. That's what Proverbs chapter 4.23 is all about. He's saying pay attention to your heart, focus on it, guard it. Because if you're not paying attention to your heart, a lot of things are going to be happening in there, that central part of you that are affecting who you are. And you're just becoming who you are without realizing these are the things that are going on. I hope somebody understands that. And please, I I said to you, I'll, I'll talk as long as one is able to, Um, But please, I'd like us to spend uh, quite a bit of time um, answering questions. So we know that God looks at the heart. And then in Jeremiah 17, we find out that in looking at the heart, God says, nyak, you know, there's a lot wrong with the human heart. And it's not surprising because the Bible tells us that since the fall of Adam, the heart of man became corrupted with sin and evil. And you can imagine if that happened 6,000 years ago, what, what it has become now. The world has become very evil and corrupt. And if we're influenced primarily by the things of the world, of course, it's going to mess up our hearts. Um, all the, 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 the things that happen between ourselves and Satan is taking advantage and all that. So God looks at the heart and says, the heart of man is desperately wicked. It's, it's just not good at all. You know, the, the inclinations of their heart is always towards evil. And we know that. Um, thank God for redemption because with Jesus coming, two things happened. One is that he makes atonement for our sins so that the holy God can interact with sinful man. That's something that I'm forever grateful. Every morning, I always thank God for the salvation of my soul. I hope we do the same as well. But then the second thing that is the result of redemption is that the Spirit of God now comes and resides in us and starts to walk on our hearts to change our hearts back to what God intended in the first place. Now, I'm going through all of this so that we understand why it's important to have a healthy heart and the things that we need to do to ensure that the, our hearts are pleasing to God and then we now said yesterday that isn't it amazing that God looks at the entire heart now entire uh, world searching everybody's heart and he's seeing evil corruption here da, 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 da. but then he looks at one man and he says my God this one I like this heart this is a man after my heart um, the, the message translation I love he says his heart beats in sync with my heart and I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen but it has really challenged me a lot in the last few weeks about getting a heart that is healthy and pleasing to God now I've said all this to say the focus is not just to say how can I get my heart to be healthy the focus should be how can I get a heart that is pleasing to God what does God want what is God looking for? How does it be? He created this thing in the first place. So, what kind of heart does he want? And what are the things that I need to do to ensure that my heart is like that? Now, as I talk, and I'll, maybe I'll talk for another 10 minutes or so, and then we'll take questions. Is, is that I'm just going to talk in parallel, continue from where we left off last week, and then also use the example of David side by side. So, we started two weeks ago. Um, Pastor Baj talked about the place of the word of God. Very, very important. Now, why is the word of God important? The answer is before you, ladies and gentlemen, because if the heart is made up of the mind, the, the emotions, and the will, the mind is the place where thought starts from information. What corrupts a heart is the kind of information that you allow into your mind that then feeds your emotions and your will. It's a simple, it's a simple equation. So the essence is if I'm going to correct, if I'm going to make this heart healthy, but more importantly, if it is going to be pleasing to God, if it's going to be in sync with the heart of God, I'd better get the mind of God into my mind. That's the place of the word of God. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to belabor this because Pastor Barge talked a lot about that, as in how the word of God starts to change our minds. Romans chapter 8, one, the verses 1 to 2, says uh, it, the, 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 that what God wants is that we renew our minds. And we renew our minds by getting the word of God into into our hearts. And then we talked about the place of prayer. Um, and I, I'll actually not go into that because I know Pastor Barge didn't finish and he'll when he's back he will continue with with prayer but again the essence is that we are aligning our hearts with the heart of god because when we come to the place of prayer what are you doing in the place of prayer you are bringing your heart before god let me say this ladies and gentlemen (laughs) very important is that prayer is not primarily about asking god for things it should not be prayer is communing your heart communing with the heart of god and the many components to to that today um, i wanted to touch on a third thing that is so critical and then we'll come back to the heart that pleases god i'm looking at david's heart. i mean i'll do as much as we can and then like i said we'll ask questions so we talked about the word of god we talked about that prayer the third practice that is so critical in aligning our hearts with the heart of god is worship um you know i i i, I actually let me let me let me read to you something that i wrote down yesterday that i didn't get a chance to say um yesterday actually let me ask you the question when you are when you when 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 somebody asks the question what was it that made david a man after god's heart any takers what was it that made David a man after God's heart? Anybody? I knew it. I knew as soon as I because it's a common thing that happens. So my first response is worship. And then we've got he really loved God, praising God. And you see there we go again, praising God. I know. Okay. Now, let's stop. Don't don't worry. I I just wanted that response. Because every time we ask the question, what is it that made David a man after God's heart? A, A heart that was in sync with God's heart. We talked a lot about it yesterday. I'll come back with time. But I wanted to address this third issue because people naturally jump to the word worship. And the reason is because David wrote, I'll say it the way people say it, we say David was a worshipper, but by saying David is a worshipper, a lot of times we don't understand what it means. We think that David was a worshipper because he played the harp, and then because um, he wrote the Psalms and stuff like that. Yes, David was a worshipper, but that's not the meaning of worship, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to try and do that very quickly um about worship how important worship is in sinking our hearts making our hearts healthy and then sinking our hearts with the the, with the with the heart of god so what is worship ladies and gentlemen let's read this famous scripture what is worship so john chapter four and that's our main scripture discourse today john chapter four you know the story um I like to read the Bible in context. It's a good way to study the Bible. Just read, read. Don't just read a verse. Read it in con- context. Yeah. So John chapter four, you know the story. Jesus was coming from. I think he was going from Judea to Galilee. Galilee to Judea. I love the way that the Bible says that he had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, as I studied the Bible, um, and this is how to study the Bible, so you get the context of it all. The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. But when you look at the geography, um, there's a straight line between Judea and Galilee. Samaria is is like somewhere else. So he actually didn't have to go through Samaria to get to where he was going. There was a shorter, more direct road. But when the Bible says he had to go to, what it meant was that it was God's purpose for him through to go through Samaria. That's just a, um, a digression, anyway. So he went through Samaria, meets this Samaritan woman. Jews don't interact with Sam- um, Samaritans at all, and then they start this conversation. He says to the woman, um, "He says to the woman, uh, please give me a drink." He was alone at the time because his disciples. I'm starting from verse seven, from verse eight. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink?" Jesus replied, verse ten, "If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water." Again. Study the Bible, please. Always seek to understand what God is trying to get across to us. Remember, the Bible is about understanding the mind of God. So the woman, the lady says, "But sir, you don't have a rope or bucket." She said, "This well is too deep. Where would you get this living water?" I found out that the word that was translated "living water" in the Aramaic actually means "flowing water." So she still didn't get Jesus. She, Jesus was referring to something as living water. She thought it meant flowing water. She was thinking of a river or something where they don't have to go to a well. So he says, how are you going to get this water? Anyway, going on. Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water, I will never will, will never thirst again. Let me skip forward. Uh, the woman says, please, sir, uh, give me this water. Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you are right. You don't have a husband because you have had five husbands and you, are, you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. Let me stop for a second. That tells you instantly that this will actually, we can infer that this woman's heart must have been in a horrible state, as in to go through five men and you're now in the sixth relationship. I think Pastor Agu talked about this one of the Sundays or so a few Sundays ago. You can imagine the state of her heart. Anyway, she now changes the topic. Sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Van Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little, know very little about the one you worship. What did we say um, that reading the Bible was about, what did we say, why, 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 what, how, what am I saying? Um, When we talked about the word of God, what did we say the role of the word of God does in the heart? It gives us the mind of God so that we know God. It says, you guys don't really know the person that you worship. Um, Let me find where, where it was. For salvation comes, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I wish I had time to ask. I I love to ask questions, ladies and gentlemen. I think um, we learn better when we try to answer questions ourselves. So it says the time is coming where it's not where you worship that matters. Actually, the principal thing that we must understand is that God is looking for. Don't forget how we started, ladies and gentlemen. God looks all over the world, searching people's hearts to see what is inside people's hearts. He looks and says, all these hearts are deceitful, they're corrupt, they're evil, they're wicked. He finds one man that he's saying, this guy's heart is in sync with my heart. And then here Jesus is saying, you need to understand what God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The passion translation says, is looking for people who will worship him from the heart. Question, ladies and gentlemen, how do you worship God from the heart? That already tells us, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of what we think is worship is not worship. So singing, is not the worship. The music is not the worship. Those things are actually vehicles that help you to convey your worship. True worship is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of what is happening with your mind, your emotions, and your will in relation to your communion with God. I hope somebody understands this. So Jesus says, God wants us to, God is looking for people whose hearts would worship him, not with their mouths. You know, there's this scripture that always challenges me, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. It says, these people, they say they're mine, and then they come to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Very indicting statement, and if we're truthful to ourselves, it affects a lot of us. Because, you know, sometimes they are there in church, and we're supposed to be worshipping, but your heart is not there. Your mind, your emotions, and your will, they're not there. So, how do we worship God in spirit and in truth? And how does that help us have a healthy, healthy heart? So I checked the meaning of worship. Both the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, they say exactly the same things. But instead of boring you with many, many, many words, I drill down to just a few words. The, most imp- the one that touched me the most, and I think I'll, it hopefully drives up the point, and then I'll keep quiet, is the Aramaic word Seged. So to worship means to bow down, to bow your heart. So you're not bowing your body. You know, when we're singing, we say bow down and worship him. And, you know, I'm sure this happens to all, all of us. We instinctively bow our bodies like that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's symbolic. But what God is saying is your heart, because that's where he interacts with you. Your heart should be bowed to God. Another word says, it means surrendered to God. So what that means is that true worship is where the mind, our mind, our emotions, and our will are constantly bowed to God, submitted to God, surrendered to God. And then Jesus says, it's worship that is done in spirit, And in truth, I'll say that very quickly. I think Pastor Baj must have done this before, but I'll I'll say it very quickly. In spirit, because God is a spirit, and it's your spirit man, our spirit man, your, your, your heart that connects with God. It's not your mouth that connects with God. It's not the song that connects with God. It's the heart that connects with God. But most importantly, or as importantly, he says, in truth. What that means is that as you bow your heart, as you surrender your heart, your mind is connecting with God on the basis of the true knowledge of God. Your emotions are appreciating the nature and character of God. And your will, that tends to be the decision maker, is taking you before God and urging you before God. Why is this important, ladies and gentlemen, in terms of getting, I, I know I've rushed through it and it's deliberate because I like I said, I wanted us to, to, to ask questions today. I'm gonna to keep quiet in a few minutes. Why is this important? It's important because it's what, comes into your heart that will di- that will inform the direction of your heart so that's where the word of god comes in yeah but as importantly if we're going to commune with god if we're going to worship god if we're going to bow our hearts before god which is what god is looking for in um, incidentally it requires all the components of the heart, all the components of the soul to know God, to know the mind of God, the will of God, and then submit to the will of God. I I don't know if this, this makes sense, but if it's not clear, please ask again. Now, let's flip the page very quickly. Remember we said, what was it about David? that commended him to god what was it about david's heart a man after god's heart so those of you that said because of worship you are right but only if you understand what this is because the worship that we're referring to is not the songs he sang or the 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 psalms that he wrote it's that David's heart was completely submitted to God, completely, completely submitted to God. His heart was totally yielded to God. He wanted to do everything that pleased God. His own was that this God is God Oh, I'm nothing compared to God. And we, we talked about five things yesterday, how he feared God. Where do you fear God from? You fear God from your heart, where your mind tells you, your thinking your thought processes tell you this god is a great god or i must not displease god where do you trust god from you trust god from your mind i i hope somebody understands this you yield to god from the the totality of your emotions and your will and why this is important ladies and gentlemen is that that if that is the inclination of a heart where We're constantly bowing and yielding our hearts to God in worship, not in singing. It means that anything that comes our way, whether good or bad, oh, actually, I should stop and say this. When you are, when something good happens, isn't it true that we worship easier You know, you've just had a pay rise at at work um, or something fantastic has happened. And then don't we go and then we're glad, we're happy and then we worship God. But then you failed an exam or somebody jilted you and then you are sad and it's difficult to worship that tells you that we don't understand true worship because even if you're sad, even if you're, the whole essence is that your heart should be yielded to the heart of God, submitted to that. So even in that pain, you can take the whole of your emotions and take it to God because your mind tells you that the right thing to do is to just bow in surrender to God. Why? Because he knows what's happening. I don't know what's happening, but you know what we do? when our hearts are not yielded your emotions pull you away from god instead of taking you to god i hope this makes sense let me stop there because we've got 16 minutes i really wanted us to to take questions um yes very very true yielding to god is worship thank you i'm just going through this now so yielding to god is worship absolutely loving god is worship absolutely Obedience is worship, and those were the characteristics of David. Those were the things that, 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 that God saw in David's heart, that commended David's heart to God. He saw somebody who was always willing to obey him. You know those scriptures in, in, in Acts chapter 13, um, 20 to 22, verse, um, verse 22 particularly. He says that this, this David, I found him, His heart is always in sync with mine because he will always do everything I ask him to do. That's worship. It's a heart surrendered to God. That's worship. Um, Trusting God is worship. That's what it is. Because you know what it means to trust God. Let me explain this and then I will keep quiet, I promise. The issue of trust is a question of what is going on in your mind, your thought processes, yeah? So, the, the, the writer of Proverbs says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart, all of your heart. But that's an example of a scripture that was actually re- re- referring to the mind, the mind part of the heart, of the soul. It says, Trust the Lord with all of your mind. Lean not on your own understanding. That tells you that the human tendency is always to try and think things you know, reason things out. But he said, no, 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 don't try and reason it out because you don't know everything. God knows everything. And the way you trust God is allow your mind to focus on the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God, you know, God knows everything. So I'm trying to make a decision. I'm not looking at, I'm not trying to analyze it. And by all means, there's nothing wrong with analysis. But even when you analyze, please, surrender and bow your analysis to god in worship and then the mind of god superimposes your mind and strengthens your mind and your will to say you know what let me look to this god that's what trusting god is i hope somebody understands let me let me let me keep quiet okay let's try and do questions for for a few minutes God is incredibly... I'm happy for you to unmute if you don't mind because I may not be able to catch all the questions. Um, Please forgive me asking, but David loved God so completely, but he did some incredibly ungodly things and more than once. (laughs) Very good question, Chris. Yes. So he loved God um, and all the things that we said, he trusted God. But don't forget... And I said this yesterday, for those who were there yesterday, when God says a man whose heart is in sync with mine, a man whose heart beats with mine, he wasn't saying David is perfect, and no human being can ever be perfect. It is not possible. I read somewhere that says God is not looking for angels because there's no such such thing on earth. The only human being that was perfect was Jesus, and that's because he was God incarnate in human flesh. So David was human and weak like all of us. But what God was saying is that even in his human frailty and his weakness, which we all weak, we all make mistakes. In fact, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, until we die, we will be making mistakes. We will be committing one sin or the other. But what is the difference with David? And that is this thing about worship. Because his heart was completely surrendered to God and bowed to God, he would run to God in penitence. So as soon as he committed those heinous crimes, and the prophet said, God sent the prophet to say, you know, I'm not happy with you. He fell on the floor. That's where Psalm 51 came from. So, Yes, we are weak and frail, but God is looking for the heart that is responsive to him. And if we learn total submission and bowing down in worship, not in singing, not necessarily in church on Sunday, but every hour of our lives, believe me, it starts to change our heart into the heart God is looking for. Okay? Okay. How do you explain explain Romans chapter 12, verse 1? Let me find Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Please, you're welcome to unmute. We've got 10 minutes. Okay. So, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all all he has done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Walk backwards. Um, I think this is... uh, so walk backwards, what is worship? So once you understand the meaning of worship, it's easy to answer the question. So worship is total submission, reverence to God, bowing everything to God. So he's saying, dear brothers, give your bodies to God because of what... Now he's not talking about actually, but let, let, let me let me say this first. So what this is saying is let your entire life be totally given to God in service of God, in obedience to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that you dedicate to God. In those days, they would bring an an animal and then put it on the altar and slaughter the animal in sacrifice to God. Yeah? The Bible says a living sacrifice you think it's a paradox, but what he's saying is that you are totally in yourself, dead to yourself, because you give yourself to God completely. So as far as your life is concerned, you're not living your life for yourself, you're living your life for God. Yeah, for God, yeah? Is that clear? Can you please clarify if the spirit is part of the heart? Because I read if somewhere that says your soul which is synonymous with your heart makes up your will emotions and mind and this is separate from the spirit as your spirit is what cha- what changes the okay let me show you this again um i thought i explained it so your spirit is your innermost person it is what gives life it is your being your spiritual being that comes from heaven what makes you human is the fact that your spirit merges with your soul because your soul interacts with the external your soul interacts with the internal which is your spirit god is spirit god interacts with your spirit god doesn't interact with your flesh yeah what i was explaining is that the heart what the bible refers to as the heart is the totality of the that combination of your spirit and your soul so your spirit and your soul are different but the heart refers to the combination together is is that clear cynthia please respond let me know Um, sorry i said yes it's clear thank you okay so yes the spirit is different from the soul but if the heart is referring when we say the heart you're referring to both of them Um, Giving unto God is worship. Absolutely true. Um, Okay. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? We've got seven more minutes. Seven more minutes. Any questions? I thought there'd be lots of questions, but there there ain't. Um, Yeah. Any questions? And any questions from um, the last two to Mondays about the place of the Word of God, uh, the place of, um, incidentally, incidentally, uh, let me just say this. You can see that the Word, prayer, and worship are interlinked. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can see that because you can't worship God acceptably in truth without knowing the Word of God because it's the Word of God that reveals God to us. And worshiping God in truth, means that you're worshipping God with the knowledge, with the true knowledge of God in your mind. So the three things are actually interrelated. Okay, somebody wanted to ask a question? Yeah, Rita. Rita. Yeah, Yeah. why did um, the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? (laughs) Uh, Very good question. I'd I'd actually forgotten. I was saying to my wife um, last week, we had a conversation Okay, so again, let's read the Bible um, well. Try please to read different um, different versions of the Bible because I find that when you read different versions, some people explain it in greater detail um, how how they interpret the Bible. Okay, so let's start with this, Rita. I, actually, maybe I should be asking you the question, um, Rita. Yeah who made Pharaoh's heart uh, the Lord. evil? No, no, wait, wait. Who made Pharaoh's heart evil? Mm, the people? Okay. God, isn't it? God, yeah, God make his heart really hard, isn't it? No, 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 not hard, evil, evil. Who, who evil made yeah, that's yeah. the Lord, but why did he do that? No, 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 God did not make Pharaoh's heart. Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the Bible says, the Bible says, um, after Joseph died in Exodus chapter is it one or two, that another Pharaoh um came to the throne who did not know Joseph or the things that God had done. Yeah. When God sent Moses to Pharaoh, what was the first thing he says, is who is this God that you're talking about? Pharaoh did not know God, he was steeped in the evil. Pagan religion of the land. Yeah. So Pharaoh's, um, and, and like all of us, Pharaoh's heart was already in the wrong direction. Of an absolute, a good description of wicked, deceitful, da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh. I said to my wife that as I read the Bible, I felt the Holy Spirit just said to me, if you read the Bible carefully, I, I can't remember the exact word, but it says that God says, I chose Pharaoh. Yeah. I chose Pharaoh in order to display my power through him. What the spirit of God said is that, and remember, God sees everybody's heart. So God, who sees everybody's heart, had looked at everybody's heart, and he saw this wicked man who, whose heart is very hard, who is evil, and who was not going to incidentally. Sorry, let me just digress slightly. There's another scripture that skips my mind at the moment where the bible says the lord knows those who are his um you can you can google the scripture the lord knows who are his which means that god already knows those who when they hear the word of god the preaching of god their hearts will yield and they will give their lives to christ that's what that means so the lord knows who he is those who are his in the same way that god has searched and he sees this person whose heart is very hard God, who knows every heart, knows that this guy is not going to repent at all. So God makes him Pharaoh at that point in time because he needed to do something dramatic that will show everybody that this is the God of the whole earth. Yeah? You must understand it from that context, because if you don't, the the reason why we ask the question is we think that, that, um, that God made pharaoh's heart evil no god does not make anybody evil god already saw evil in pharaoh's heart and when he says he hardened his heart is the same way that if you don't get a revelation of who god is and then yield or submit your heart then you're not going to listen to what god is saying okay let's do two minutes let's try and do a miracle and do two questions in two minutes any two questions? Nobody's asking questions. I have a question. Yes, please, Aya. Uh, what resources do you use to go deeper into your word? Um, to be honest, the first thing that helps is just using different translations. I find that, um, you know, you read in one 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 translation and then it's different in another translation, what that does is it opens your mind to say, you know what, I want to understand this better. The second thing is always look for commentaries that help to explain. And the, 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 the one that helps me the most is looking for the meanings of the word. So for example, um, when I was preparing, you know, I checked the heart, what does the heart mean? I, um, the, 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 I checked the soul, I checked worship. That's where I found the Aramaic word Seged, which means bow down. So it's using commentaries and dictionaries to understand the meanings of the word. Does that help? Yeah, that helps. Where do you find these commentaries and, and, and dictionaries? Um, okay, so, so one of the big ones is, um, what's this one? The, the concordance. Concordance is very good because with the concordance, if you can search a word, and then it will tell you the Greek meaning, the, the meaning in Greek and in Hebrew. So the concordance is a good one. But a lot of Bibles, if you use Bible um, study Bibles, a lot of Bible studies will have commentaries at the end. Even the Bible, if you go onto um, you know the U Version Bible that's online, some of the some of the um, uh, versions have commentaries. So I'm reading Romans chapter 12 in the New Living Translation, um, verse one. And so dear brothers and sisters, then there's a punctuation. I know that that means if there's an explanation, I open it, it says the Greek means brothers. So those are commentaries or translations that helped you understand, yeah? Thank you. No problem. And let me just do one quick one. It's 801, I saw something. David must have also really believed, trusted in the love of God, because even when he sinned so badly, he trusted that God's love was true, and it was very true, very, very true. Thank you for that. God is hardening the evil heart of a man. (laughs) Like like Putin. Okay, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Life, Yeah, so, um, Ayo, Bjorn says, life application Bible. and then, okay, I, I don't think there's any other question. Okay, guys, it's a minute past eight o'clock. Um, that was just a quick whistle too. And it was just to get our minds in the direction that we're going, that God is in, in interested in our hearts. Why is he interested in our hearts? Because that's what he relates with. That's how we walk with God. And it's important that you and I pay attention on our hearts to make sure And please, if you can, use David as a template because God says, this is a man whose heart pleases me. Question is, what were the things about David? Let's learn from his life. And we mentioned some of it. There are loads of other things. David was was always honest and sincere with God. David was a man of integrity. Many, 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 many things, yeah? So please do that. But at the same time, in terms of practical things, Let's get into the word, let's get prayer, and then let us understand worship and live lives of worship, where our hearts are completely bowed down and surrendered to God. So it is God influencing your your heart um, all the time, not the world or not your circumstances. I will stop there. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up again the following week. Um, Pastor Badge will Continue and then I'll come in at some time again and we'll just continue this journey. Thank you very much. God bless you. And um, if you have any questions, feel free to send them in later. Have a good evening. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you, God bless you. God bless you. Have a good evening, everyone.